You know, people say that from a very early age, somebody doesn't have a chance, I guess you would say, because of the way their parents are, their upbringing, or their life. Well, shoot, my dad would hug you and love on you all to death, but he probably heard before that he claimed we were from the mafia and that he kind of brought us up under kind of a criminal way to where we thought it was cool to be mafia. We thought it was cool to be tough and mean, and he told us pride was everything. My dad was a merchant marine when we were kids. Uh, if you know what that is, it means he's on a ship all the time. So he wasn't there. My mom disappeared for a few years. I think it was about four. That's in a different podcast. And so lived with my grandmother till I was about nine. And then stayed up in the panhandle till I was about 14. And my dad somehow, miraculously, was a cop in Cockrell Hill, Texas. That's Dallas. That's not a good part of Dallas either. Uh, maybe now, I don't know. So I did go to school there for a little bit, but it was very scary. Now my dad later married someone that ended up being a heroin addict later in life. And my dad ended up being an addict. My dad ended up going to prison with me. My dad uh, was one floor above me in prison. So I guess you could say I never had a chance if your dad's going to go to prison with you. My mom was great. She was absent. They were both absent. They were both absent. T parents, I guess is what you call them. But my stepdad was a great man, and he was easy to... He was a little strict. He was cowboy all the way. He didn't understand hippie. He was so prejudiced, it was ridiculous. But I think he got over that later in life. He, he got killed by a drunk driver on the 4th of July, actually. And then my dad passed away years ago. My dad did grow up and grow out of it. Once he got out of prison, he turned to the straight and narrow, just like I did. He never touched drugs again. He remarried and really led a pretty productive life. So, you know, was he a bad guy? No, he was brought up from two Italians that didn't know any better. Let's talk about Dad. Well, I was gone somewhere. I don't really remember when or where. But somewhere through one of my disappearing acts to either Arizona or New Mexico, I don't really know, truthfully. Dad had become a drug addict. His wife left him. She became a drug addict. She was a huge heroin addict after that. But he, he was addicted to pills. Hell, one time he ran over his own foot. <laughs> that was a riot. And people can tell you all sorts of stories about my dad. He was a riot. He was fun. Uh, everything he said was funny. He's He's where I get my temperament, I guess. He's also where I get my anger. But he's where I get my funny. But... He also was an amazing friend, terrible dad, terrible father, 
but amazing friend. Always fun to be around. Life of the party sort of thing. And so, you know, when I had my own kids, I just made sure I didn't do the same thing with them. I hope anyway. God only knows. But I want to go into a story about dad. He's the reason I ended up getting put in prison in the first place. Because he and another guy was the only one to ever pass a counterfeit $20 bill. Well, that's what I went to prison for, counterfeit $20 bill. Everything we did, and I go to prison for a counterfeit $20 bill. How'd that happen? Well, I was high as a kite because on one of my drunken stupors, I decided I'd kill myself, so I took 100 Valiums at once, just turned the bottle up. Well, that's not true. First, I took 10. And then that will allow you to go ahead and take the rest of the bottle. <laughs> I did not die. Actually, I stayed up for three days. I went to jail. I went to the hospital. I think I've told this story, but it doesn't really matter. That's when we bought the counterfeit money. Well, it wasn't two days later where they were looking for us. So we burned it in a hibachi out back in the snow. So there was no counterfeit money. There was nothing to bust us with. As a matter of fact, the crime was labeled to be a $40 crime because... 120 got passed, and 120 got confiscated. So the 20 that got passed, my dad took one of my friends, the crazy one, the one that always got us in trouble, to get a taco. A taco got me put in prison. <laughs> anyway, so he passed a 20. Well, later, it took about a year for the police to come pick me up. When I say police secret service to come pick me up in Phoenix. I'd already, they dropped charges. I went to Phoenix. We were being on a straight and narrow. I wasn't really doing anything. And uh, they brought me back to Oklahoma because Oklahoma would not let me out. It's weird because it's federal, but they had to have me in Oklahoma. That's because I made the wrong Secret Service agent mad. I think people know that story. But did you know this story? So they arrested me. They arrested Dad. Some woman stood up in court and pointed at me and said I gave her a counterfeit 20, which wasn't me, but that's okay. I mean, I was so guilty of everything else I did, I couldn't complain. <laughs> the way I seen that I'd take this charge and be happy I got it. And I'd start my life over. Ask somebody else if I have to. But the fact is, so me and, they tell me and Dad that we won't go to prison. They tried us together, which makes no sense. They were a nightmare case. They had three crackheads telling on me for buying the counterfeit money because I literally was just high. And Dad said, looks good to me because he was high. <laughs> so we bought it. Well, the same people we bought it from is one who told on us. Well, we didn't have anybody to tell on, and we wouldn't even if we did. That's just the way we were. We had a code. Mafia, remember? So anyway, they took us straight to jail. Now, the cool part about being, this is being a long story, I don't know if I can really even tell it, about getting found guilty, they took us to jail right away. Well, it was neat, because in a way, because when I got there, some guy gave me the book of John. You know, that little bitty book that they give you? No, it was the New Testament. Or was it the book of John? I don't remember. It was either the full New Testament or it was the book of John. It was one of those little hand Gideon Bibles, you know? And I'd never read the Bible, so 
it was cool for me. I had three weeks in county jail with about 24 other people to where your toilet was about three feet away from your dining room table. As if there's a dining room table. <laughs> I can remember my mom coming to visit and looking through that little window of the jail cell because you didn't even go to visiting room. They looked through the... They had five minutes to talk to you through this little window and she could see everybody in the jail. It was horrifying. But anyway, they took Dad to prison, to El Reno, before I went. How I know that is because they called me down, got me completely dressed, said, you're going to El Reno. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they look at me and they said, you're not 50. And I'm like, no, I'm 20. <laughs> Whatever I was. I don't know how old I was. 25. I'm 25. And they're like, well, you're the wrong Ronald Kikero. So they went and got dad. I had to put on my orange jumpsuit. So he got to, he come in and he's all like scared, a little panicking, you know, because one of the guys that told on us, which is the guy that had, that led the conspiracy or the counterfeit ring, because they, they actually filed charges on us for conspiracy because they couldn't prove counterfeit. So I ended up going to jail for conspiracy. Horrible. That's just a made up word to get somebody to go to jail is what that is. So anyway, they let him go to jail. Another two weeks later, well, they call me and they said, well, you're going to El Reno. So I'm like, oh, great. You know, that's his maximum level prison. They called it the gladiator school. So the fact is, they they take me in a bus, handcuff me like, you know, like I'm a dog, of course. They, they unload us off the bus. There's freaking shotguns pointed at your automatic weapons. Probably were automatic. They might have been semi-automatic back then. I don't really know. Walk in this big room, about 20 of you. Buck, you Strip you down naked, have your hands touched, your arms are straight out and your hands touched and make you do all these weird look weird things like, you know, bent over and all that crap. And so they give you your little jumpsuit and they give you your towel and I believe or not cigarettes at the time, give you a little pouch of uh, Prince Albert in a can. I don't even think I smoked, but I started because of it, you know. But anyway, so I've read John. I've read the Bible, you know, New Testament, whichever one it was, I can't remember. So we're going, and the cop puts, he says, Kikero, come up front. And I'm like, all right, what did I do to deserve this, you know? So he calls me up front, and he, and he says, you walk behind me. I'm like, okay, you know, long hair down the middle of my back, probably walking through the prison. Everybody's yelling at us and whistling at us. You know, I think it's a scared straight thing. I think that convicts do. I don't know. And the cop turns around and he says, I got just the roommate for you. I'm like, oh, crap. What do I do now? You know, and she goes, you just be quiet, shut up, and follow me. And I'm like, oh, no. So we go to the hole. We have to be in the hole because, you know, it's, it's maximum security. They can't let us be. We're minimum security people. They can't let us be in population, they call it. So they put us in the hole, and I'm thinking, what? <laughs> Why do we go in the box, you know? <laughs> put them in the box. But anyway, he goes, you go to C3, and the rest of you fall in behind him. And I'm like, okay. So I'm walking, got my little stupid uh, towel and stuff, and I see hands, fingers sticking out of the jail cell of C1, you know. I'm going to C2, I think it was, and C1 has these hands, little stubby hands with tattoos on them, you know. And I'm like, oh, crap, you know, so I, I don't look. I just keep going straight, and I hear, I get next to the cell, and I hear, you want a cigarette? And I look down, and it's my dad. See, he had become friends with the cop. That's the way my dad was. And the cop was just messing with me just for fun. 
But it kind of shows you how the father, the godly father, takes care of you just as well as your natural father does. Because either way, I was covered. I did have to spend three weeks in the maximum security part of El Reno before they took us to our prison. In actuality, they ended up calling dad and telling him he was going to his prison, but I wasn't going. And everybody else was leaving to this prison, and they looked at me and they said, well, there's, there's no room in a, in a chair or on a seat, but if you want to sit down at your dad's feet, imagine that. Sit at your father's feet. Imagine that. Then we'll take you too. And I said, hey, that sounds cool to me. I'll sit on the floor. So I sat at my dad's foot, feet, whatever you want to call it, all the way to Big Springs, Texas. We both went to the same prison. Dad being about 50 now. We get off and they do the same little crap. Got to do the strip search, of course, you know. And then we look at the bulletin board and there's like softball. Dad says, I'm doing that. I look down and I see Bible study Tuesday night. And I said, I'm doing that. And that was the start of learning the Bible and and getting to know God the way a person really should. As a matter of fact, when they wanted to let me out, I'll tell you more about the prison in a minute, but when they wanted to let me out, I didn't want to go because I was so in tune God had me and I could feel the presence of God because there was nothing to keep him away from me. There was no outside world. I didn't want to go to the outside world. And I prayed, if you want me to stay, if I can't take it out there, then you make me stay. And the parole board laughed and said, you're in here for $40. So they kicked me out, of course. We're going to go into another story about that sometime soon. But Dad did live upstairs from me. i seen him every once in a while. He, I didn't see him every day. He worked in a different part of the prison, and he hung out with the old people, and I hung out with my Christian brothers, and we did Bible studies, and we did uh, listen to audio tapes ministries. We had singing in the cells every night. All that stuff, you know, when you're a new Christian does. And we'll go into more of that in, on a, a new episode.